Hey, and welcome to NPHX Church Online. We're so glad to have you checking out our message this morning as we continue with our Advent series with the thrill of love. Be sure to check us out online at nphx.org to get plugged in or to watch the rest of the series. We hope you enjoy the message. As I was thinking about this word love, we're going to do a, a deep word study today on how we see it in scripture, but, but one thing I recognized um, is that the way we use this word love in this room really differs from person to person. Uh, for some of you, when, when you hear the word love, it was kind of something that's been stolen from you, so you don't believe in love anymore. It's, uh, the, the lack of love has driven you to a certain behavior or a certain mentality or a certain mindset. Those that are supposed to love you the most seem like they loved you the least. We live in a performance-driven world where people often love us based off our performance. This culture has distorted this word love. It has, it's so hard to comprehend God's unconditional love when we are surrounded by man's conditional love how people behave, what people believe, we will determine whether or not we will love them. Whether we agree or disagree with them about something will determine how, whether or not we will love them. And we use this word in so many different ways, right? We can, in one instance, say, I love the Cardinals. As two of us do in this room today. (laughs) I love the Phoenix Suns. Now you lied to appease me. <laughs> I love smoked brisket. <laughs> Someone did. <laughs> or I love my son. Different than I love brisket. I love my wife. Similar to brisket. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. But man, it's so easy to love people who can do something for us, right? When somebody hurts us or feels like they've rejected us, we withhold our love from them because we feel like they're undeserving. And then our culture has, has tried to define and redefine this word love. For example, some of you may have heard it of the Beatles. Anybody ever heard the Beatles in here? They came out with a popular song, All You Need Is Love. Love, love is all you need, right? When I researched this song and and tried to figure out why they wrote this, um, it was during a time where the the world was in chaos, as if the world was never in chaos, but um, they wrote this trying to help people know, like, hey, if you just love, we'll be okay. Now, I'm not sure what kind of love they were talking about. A love without accountability, I, I don't really know, but they meant something there. Then Frank Sinatra I don't know if he was feeling salty or someone just broke up with him, but he said falling in love with love is falling for make-believe. Somebody hurt him. Falling in love with love is playing the fool. Then the great theologian, Justin Bieber. said this <laughs> I will love you different 
just the way you are. I didn't ask him, nor did I research this, but I'm assuming he was talking about, I will love you different just the way you are, meaning uh, we live in the world that you have to perform for everybody, but I'm going to give you the kind of love where you don't have to do that. I'm just going to love you the way you are. Everyone has their own different definition. You may be sitting here thinking, what's love got to do with it? That's Tina Turner, by the way, Young Bucks. <laughs> love, as I explained last week, happiness and joy, happiness is what, based on your circumstances, what the world can give you, how the world defines and joys this inner deep security that only God can give. There is love the way the world defines it. To place your love on someone expecting something in return. See, the way the world defines it is only love something that can do something for you. Only love to get. The way the Bible defines it is much different. The Bible uses this word love, depending on what version of the Bible you have, over 500 times. When God speaks of love, each time he uses these different words, he is trying to display a different part of himself. So, when I say I love my son, there's a different part of me that comes out. I show him a certain kind of love, right? When I say I love my wife, she gets a different kind of love than my son does. When I say I love you as the church, you get a different kind of love from me than they do. Now, my love for you, my love for my son, my love for my wife, hopefully is not dependent on how well you love me. Hopefully, it's dependent on how, much, how well God loves me, which is unconditional. The love I receive from here should overflow to here. If I don't understand this love, I won't know how to give this love. Because if I don't understand this love, I would expect this love to fulfill this love. And I will break this love and search for this love. Anybody get it today? So... When you look at the very first time that love is used, it's in Genesis 22. The word he uses, the very first time he uses love. By the way, you see love in Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation. All throughout Scripture, 500 times, from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, to Revelation, the last book. You will see this word love being used in different ways to display God's different character. The first time we see it in Genesis 22, here's this word that he uses. It's ahava. And if you're taking notes, I really want you to grasp this because I'm taking you somewhere. And my desire for you today is I understand this. We all understand this. We understand what it means to be let down by people. We understand what it means to be rejected, right? You understand what it means to want to be affirmed and want to be loved. And for some reason, people love to reject each other even Christians. That hurts the most. I don't know about you, but for me as a believer, I feel like this is what we should be marked by is love. Not knowledge that doesn't lead to love, but knowledge that leads to an, an authentic love, a Christ-like love. But so for some reason, that seems like it's so hard to find even in the Christian community. Because whether we want to admit it or not, even the Christian community withholds love based off of how somebody else performs for them. We will only choose to love those who think like us, look like us, believe like us, walk like us, and talk like us because it's easier. 
Well, that is not biblical love. That is the kind of love that the world has to offer. That is opposite from Christ. We will only choose to love those who perform. And it's exhausting. I don't know about you, but it's exhausting to want to be affirmed by man. This is what blows my mind. I have all the love and confidence from God, but for some reason, I take my eyes off of him and I still want to be accepted by man. You ever feel that way? You still want to be affirmed. You still want to be appreciated. You still want to be loved unconditionally. For some reason, I have learned and you have learned how to become professional fakers on Sunday morning because we are not confident that the body of Christ who understands that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God sounds real good, but we are not confident that if we show people that we are imperfect, they will still love us well. So we have learned to fake it and in order to accept to be accepted by people because when we have little by little shown them who we are and faced rejection, we go back to faking it and not showing people who we really are because we're tired of being rejected. So how in the world, when we live in a world that has molded us to be professional fakers and, and to guard ourselves from people because people love to hurt people, we love to capitalize on people's failures, we live in a gotcha culture. For some weird reason, we love when people fail. We love to read about it. We love to talk about it. We love to tweet it. We love when people fail, even when they're in our Christian community. And I'm not sure exactly how that happens. And we're terrifying, terrified of letting people in to see who we really are. So we have found out that it is more comforting and easier to live alone than to live in a community of Christian people. That's crazy. The first time he uses this word love, ahava, in the Hebrew, it's, he means it as displaying his character. He is meaning is more of a broad word that is used. Uh, human love for another includes family, uh, sexual, and it's connected to an action. So I want you to think about this. The first time you see this word love used in the Hebrew is Genesis 22 that's connected to an action. It's God's love in action. Um, so you see Abraham and Isaac, this foreshadowing of, G- of Jesus, and it's a love, God's love in action. It's doing something. It's not still. It is moving. It is pursuing. It is accomplishing. By the way, from Genesis to Revelation, God's love is on mission to redeem a broken world, to redeem a broken person. You today, no matter what you brought in here, let me just free you up. I I do not care what Christian people have said. I do, if they have told you that you have to act, look, think a certain way before you can fully get God's love, that is not God's love. And so let me just tell you today, no matter what you brought in here, uh, no matter what you think, no matter, you can bring it to the table and God will meet you where you are and his love will pursue you. Once you encounter that love, that love will transform you. Every time a church member says, pastor, you need to tell them that doing this is wrong. I'm like, hey, listen, I don't change hearts. I know the one who does. So my deal is if I preach the word of God, expose who he is, if people get an encounter with Jesus, they will be transformed. You cannot have an encounter with Jesus and not be transformed. And so, which, which brings another point. If you're wondering why there are a lot of Christians who aren't acting like Jesus, but they're reading about him, I wonder if they've ever had an encounter. Uh-oh. 
Let me get back to the scripture. Ahava, connected to action. Connected to action. God's love in action. The next Hebrew word he uses over 250 times to display his character is this. Listen to this definition of hased. God's love, hased. This is going to blow your mind. I really, I really hope that you leave today, church, just basking. I don't want any of you to leave. I think James beat us up enough. Like James had me questioning my salvation sometimes. Like I'm like 0 for 50 with James. Like everything he asked me to do, I'm not doing it. Um, and so I think we went through a process of sanctification. I don't want to get, let God's love and grace to be cheap, but I also don't want us to miss it today. I want us to bask in it because it's transforming. It changes everything. And this word has said that it helps to define who God is. Listen to this definition, which is just like mind-boggling. Hased is not an emotional response to beauty. Isn't that so anti-culture? We love people based off of inner and outer beauty. That's what we do. Some of you will leave here and be like, I just didn't enjoy him, so we're not coming back. Okay, I get it. But it's kind of who we are, right? It's what we do. But that's not who God is. God is not going to say to you, even in your worst moment, I don't enjoy you, so I'm not coming back. He is consistent. It's, it's who he is. It's, he can't even turn it off. And it says that this said kind of love is not an emotional response to beauty. Praise God. To merit. You don't have to work for God's love. Did, did, did you hear you don't have to work for God's love? It's exhausting. You would tire yourself out if you think you have to work for God's love. Or kindness, but rather a moral attitude dedicated to another's good, whether or not that, listen to this, whoo, whether or not that other is lovable, worthy, or responsive, which means that God's has said love for you is not dependent based off what you do. It's not even dependent based off how you respond to him. Because according to this word has said, it's saying, look, you can reject me, but there's nothing you're going to do or not do that's going to make me stop pursuing and loving you. I love you because I gave you life. It makes a lot of sense. Like I look at my son right here and, and I, I literally think like, I don't know what he's going to do in the future. I don't know what's going to happen to him. I don't know the decisions he's going to make. I don't know how he's going to break my heart. I don't know if he's going to walk away from God. I don't know if he's going to walk with God. I don't know if he's going to cuss me out one day. I don't know if he's going to talk back one day. I don't know if he's going to steal money from me. I don't know what this kid's going to do, but I can tell you right now, my love for him will not change. It will be consistent, and it won't be based off of his works or merit or whether or not he rejects my love. He is stuck with me. He will forever receive my overflowing love. So today, church, the good news for you, because uh, you are created in God's image, if you are a child of God, good news for you, um, you get the overwhelming love of God consistently. It keeps coming at you. Even in your lowest points, it is there to pick you up. He is not going anywhere. Even when you have astrayed from him, he is not going to move. It's not off your merit, off your beauty. You can reject him or not respond to him. He will always give you the hesed kind of love. Now, if you're in this room today and you're not a Christian, um, you will 
have the opportunity to give your life to Jesus, but he is pursuing you. He put this in motion so you would know about him, so you can encounter him, so you can receive the kind of love that you've never received from humanity. It's a divine kind of love that will change your life. This is said. This is said. He uses it in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10. Listen to how he uses it. For the mountains may depart. He's trying to make a point here. Listen how strong my love is. For the mountains may depart and the hills may be removed. Creation may depart. The creation may be removed. Creation, as important as it is, and it displays his love, can one day go away. But my steadfast love, my chesed, shall not depart from you. Everything else can go away, but my chesed will never go away from you, from you, from you in here. That's hard to comprehend, right? That's so hard to comprehend when we've, we hurt each other. And it's a cycle of this, it's a cycle of pain, what people post, what they say about you, whether you perform, whether you're not. What is it like to not have to perform and still be loved? What is that like? What is that like? To be able to mess up and be imperfect and not be rejected. I'm not trying to preach the lack of accountability. But what is that like? He said, that's my said kind of love. I'll never remove it from you. 250 times he used this kind of love to help the people understand, stop performing. I love you. Some of you are in some deep sin right now that's making you feel you're so, you feel so shameful and you probably barely came here today. And I hope this just saturates in your soul. Because if you're a believer, your sin is not powerful. Like this is, if you're a believer, if you're a believer, that's the key phrase there. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, your sin is not powerful enough to remove you from his love. Now, I am not saying go sin and have fun because sin has its consequences. But do not believe the enemy and think because you're stuck in a cycle of sin that he doesn't love you and he has departed from you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ because of what his son has done, your sin is not strong enough to cause his love to depart from you. If you're not a Christian in the room, your sin is so strong that it caused him to depart from you. (laughs) And you need Jesus. And it's free. That's his said kind of love. Isaiah 54, that has said kind of love. As we go into the New Testament, he uses the word phileo kind of love. Phileo is more of this brotherly love. Phileo is more of a, man, I really love this guy. So I think, uh, Rich, you, know, you don't sit here if you want to be using an example, okay? You do this every time. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think of, of Rich, though. He's, he's, he's a good brother. He's a good brother. He loves the Lord, and we've seen God transform his life in an unbelievable way, unbelievable way, and it's pretty powerful. And I, I love this guy differently than I love my wife. But he said, I hope so. <laughs> and it's not based off of anything he's going to do or not do. The dude's wearing a Bears jersey in here today. And I'm telling you, I love the guy still, right? And, and so that's a brotherly kind of love. Like, man, I love you as my brother. I want to link arms with you. And be a warrior for Jesus Christ with you. You're my brother. You're my guy. I love you. 
He uses this kind of word, which is crazy to think that like um, God uses to display the affection he has for people as a brotherly, tenderly kind of love. In fact, we see it, we see it in scripture. When does he use this? Um, remember I told you the first word he uses is in Genesis, which is ahaba. The last word he uses for love is in Revelation, which is uh, chapter three, verse 19. He says, to whom I love, aphileo, to whom I care for as a brother, sister in Christ, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. So now he's saying, because I love you, I'm going to discipline you. Meaning that um, there are times that God lets you get away with sin, lets you go your own way. There are times that God disciplines you. There are, and it's all out of his love when I discipline my son or when I ground him. Whatever I do, it's because it's, it's out of love. In fact, what I tell my kids is like, I'm saving your life. I'm saving, I'm, I'm teaching you how to listen to authority. And I'm saving your life. I'm teaching you how to listen to the ultimate authority because I'm, I'm saving your life. I'm teaching you discipline out of love, not out of anger, out of love. This is what he's talking about here in this text in Revelation. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. This is the brotherly kind. Then he moves into agape. Agape has been misused and abused for a long time. When you look at the scripture of when agape is used and how it's defined, I want you to listen to how agape is used. Agape is a devoted, it does not fade, and is based upon action and sacrifice. It's devoted. There's a devotion. I am committed. I am devoted. It does not fade. So God's love for you doesn't fade because it's devoted to you. So God doesn't love you less, any less yesterday than he does today. God's love, it's, it's constant, it's devoted to you. It does not fade and is based upon action and sacrifice, not feeling or emotion. Means to love the undeserving. Agape means to love the undeserving despite disappointment and rejection. Which means in this room today, people have disappointed you and you have withheld your love. According to the scripture, if you're a believer, you shouldn't do that. Is it hard to love people who have disappointed you? Absolutely. It's almost, you need the Holy Spirit to teach you how to love them again. But only the Spirit can do that. When is it used? Listen to this. Okay, get the definition. Means to love the undeserving despite disappointment and rejection. When is it used? John 13, 34 to 35. Here's what he says. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. You agape. You love people who reject you, who hurt you, and disappoint you. This is what he's saying right here. If you want to be a Christian, if you want to be a follower, you love people who hurt you, who disappoint you, who reject you. Love them. Why? Just as I have agaped you. Why do you love people that hurt you and disappointed and rejected you? Because you have disappointed and rejected God, yet he still loved you. Therefore, you should know what it means to love someone who's filled with rejection and disappointment. So you should love others. He's saying, listen, if you can do this, if you do this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have agape for one another. You want to be different from the world? Love those who can do nothing for you. Stop loving those that only agree with you. Stop loving those who only look like you. Stop loving those people who are easy to love and try loving the ones who seem unlovable. You want to look and act like Jesus? Try that. Then people will know you are different from the world. Wow. And some of you are letting your minds go to all kinds of places. Is he talking about this? I'm talking about love. I'm talking about loving, like stop it. 
I sense it. Don't, don't do that. Don't reject the word because it's uncomfortable. If it's calling you out and it's uncomfortable right now, submit to his word. And what he's saying is love like Jesus. What does that mean? Love the undeserving. Why? Because he loved you that way. And when you love that way, all will know you are his disciples. Christianity has gotten it so twisted. We, for some reason, think that the more we know, the better Christians we are. But if knowledge doesn't lead to application, it means nothing. In fact, in Scripture, maturity is always synonymous with action, not knowledge. The knowledge should lead to action. That's where it stops. For some reason, we think knowledge is enough, and it puffs up our own ego. But if the love doesn't flow out of the knowledge, well, then you don't know love. So when else does he use it? Agape. For God so agape the world, the unconditional love that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him. I'm going to circle back around, and I'm going to close with this last word. The first word he uses, stay with me, and I'm, I'm going to land the plane here, but I really want you to get this. How God's love was set in motion before the foundation of the world. His love for you, remember the world's love is what can you give me? Oh, the sons are winning? I love you. Pastor, you're meeting my every need? I love you. You're not? I can't stand you. We're going to find a new church. Spouse, you're meeting my needs, I love you. You're not, I won't. Friend, right? That's, that's, that's how the world does it. It's give, give, get, 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 get. The biblical definition is give, give, give. The world's definition is get, get, get. The Bible is give, give, give. The first time he uses it, watch this. Uh, this word love in Hebrew um, is, and you have to stay with me, is ahava. First time he uses this. First time the one who hung the moon and the stars, the creator, uses this word love. It means love in the English. In Hebrew, you read right to left. In Hebrew, it's characters, right? So when I study scripture, whether it's Old Testament, I study the Hebrew and it's characters. When I study the New Testament, I study Greek. It's not characters. So if you were to translate Ahava in Hebrew, watch this, it would be Aleph. Remember, right to left. Hey, it's the second character. Bait. Hey. This word means love in Hebrew. When, when you look at this word and you dig deeper, okay, this is it translated from English. Uh, and I, <laughs> I love God. I love what he did here. He's like, oh, you speak English? I got gotcha. you. We're going to make a love. Hebrew? I got gotcha. you. Ancient Hebrew? I got gotcha. you. Spanish? Amo. I got gotcha. you. What you need, I got it. Okay. When you look at these characters, these characters, four characters have pictorial meanings. Aleph 
the pictorial meaning is an ox. The ox means strong leader. It means first one. It means God the Father. So this means God the Father. That's the first letter of Ahava, love. The second one is hay. The picture for hay is like a pitchfork. Here's what it is. It, it's supposed to be a man doing this, man, a woman, or woman doing this. Okay, it's like a praise sign, right? So you see like this pitchfork of praise. It means to behold or reveal. All right. Third one. The third character is bait. It means house. Son coming out of the house. So the third character is bait. It means that something is coming out. Something is coming out of the house. And in this particular, it means the sun is coming out. The fourth one, again, is to behold, reveal. What they would do in Hebrew after getting these pictorial meanings, they would then put the sentence together. When you put this sentence together, right to left, God, the Father, revealed his love through his only begotten son. John 3, 16. The very first word God ever used in Hebrew... Some of you are looking like, what are you talking about? You're going to have to chew on this for a minute. He uses Genesis 22, a prophetic foreshadowing to display his love for this broken world and his, this love for you and for me. This love that would be set in motion. <laughs> Someone said this after the first service, but it's true. Uh, if you read left to right, he wants you to know he loves you unconditionally. It's not based off your response, your merit, your beauty. He loves you. If you read right to left, he loves you. It's not based off of you. And he set this in motion. He set this in motion, knowing that through life, you would let people down. People would let you down. You would be rejected. You would be hurt. You would question this word love. You would despise this word love. You would wonder if you would ever find love. And it goes on and on and on. And we are in, in, in pursuit of love when the creator of the universe said, no, you don't have to pursue it because it's pursuing you and it was set in motion before the foundations of the earth that from the beginning of time that God first so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He agapes you. He ahavas you. That for us as a believer in Jesus Christ should be all the love that you need to know the creator, the sovereign one, the one that is powerful, the one that has all control, the one that knows everything. He knows that people will hurt you. He knows people will reject you. But praise God that everything has to go through the creator's hands first. 
I don't know what that does for you today. I know what it does for me. It's like, why have I been worrying about the, the little stuff in life? You're amazing. Why, why do I get paralyzed emotionally when I don't get affirmed by people? You love me. Why does it hurt me so much when I get rejected? Why should it? Because you love me. Why do I pursue man's love when the creator say, I got you. Man, I got you. You don't worry about broken people not loving you. You just love me so you can love them. I got you. And when you do this, all will know that you are my disciple. Let me ask you this. Are you tired of performing for people? I am. Are you tired of being rejected? Yeah, I am. So why don't you just, just bathe in his love and let it just transform you and how you think and how you walk. And I get it. There's a lot of deep pain. Man, let his love restore and redeem what has been taken from you. All the brokenness, let him restore that stuff. This is crazy. This is crazy. The first word he would use would have his son in it and his love in it and his forgiveness in it. That's an amazing God. Father, <laughs> you are so good, God. Gosh, you are so good. Will you teach us how to love? It's so hard. It's so hard to love those people that have hurt us, that we know, that we know don't even like us. How are we supposed to love them? It's so hard even to, to fathom that you love us that way. When you know us the best and you know where we're, we fall short, you know our sins. It's, that, that's hard to comprehend, God. It's so hard. God, would you give us a glimpse of that today, please? And I just pray for the people in this room. I pray for the Christians, God, who, who have forgotten that or who are taking your love for granted and they're just numb by it and and now they're looking for emotional stimulation and your word does nothing to them would you just refresh in them or their eyes refresh in their eyes their spirit we pray for those in the room who don't know you God when they come to know your love that you gave your only son gave your only son to love us. Would you help us to walk in that confidence today? It's in Jesus' name we pray.